0: It turns out that second investigation conducted at the request of the Minnesota Wild was against Bill Guerin. We'll discuss what the investigation found, how the Wild moved forward, as well as taking a look at last night's game against Calgary, and previewing tomorrow's game against Vancouver on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Brandon Duham and this is Locked On Wild. What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you as always for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new content throughout the week. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL NHL for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we start with the news that was revealed yesterday that Bill Guerin was investigated for verbal abuse claims uh, by that uh, independent firm that also investigated former Wild Assistant General Manager Chris O'Hearn. We'll get you up to speed with the latest as well as taking a look at what the Wilds do moving forward and we'll recap a uh, 3-2 to shootout win for the Wild last night as well as preview tomorrow's game against the Canucks. My name is Seth Topal, your daily Minnesota Wild insider and Turns out that second investigation was against General Manager and President of Hockey Operations Bill Guerin. Uh, there is a lot that has been speculated about what has happened uh, from some more national sources, but I'm just going to go with what we know about what has happened here uh, over the uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, going right to Michael Russo's write up in the Athletic, uh, and uh, we're just going to uh, give you an excerpt. From that piece, Bill Guerin, the Minnesota Wilds president of hockey operations and general manager, has been the focus of an investigation following a human resources complaint by an employee who alleged verbal abuse in the workplace. Five team and league sources have confirmed to the athletic the alleged incident that led to the investigation occurred in late November and was reported to the team's HR department, which commissioned an on-site outside law firm to investigate. Two attorneys traveled to St. Paul and interviewed more than 15 members of the organization. Two team sources indicated that the investigation into Garen's alleged behavior was complete and the findings were delivered to upper management and ownership early this week. Wild management determined that Garen had not committed a fireable offense, team sources said Wednesday. While the investigation was proceeding, Garen did not attend the NHL's Board of Governors meeting in Seattle, nor the Wild's four-game road trip to Western Canada and Seattle. That was odd considering it was new coach John Hines' first long road trip with the Wild. Garen didn't reply to a text message seeking comment late Thursday afternoon. The Wild declined to discuss details of the investigations, but said in a statement, the Minnesota Wild takes its code of conduct seriously, We recently concluded two separate investigations into alleged violations of that code of conduct and have taken appropriate steps to address the matters raised to our attention. The club will not comment any further. News of the investigation into Guerin comes a day after the Wilds confirmed to the Athletic that they had mutually agreed to part ways with assistant general manager Chris O'Hearn following a separate probe. Team sources indicated that it was coincidental that the two investigations concluded almost simultaneously. Uh, Russo also notes that NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told The Athletic that he and Commissioner Gary Bettman have been briefed on the investigation and are satisfied with the resolutions. Uh, So obviously there's been a lot over the last couple of days on this going on, but we see concretely here now that you have one investigation that was into Chris O'Hearn and one that was into Bill Guerin himself. Now, there's been a lot that has been speculated on a more national level. We're not going to talk about that um, until things are more concretely revealed, I guess. But the thing that I did want to touch on with this is kind of where we go from here, because obviously the pressure on this Minnesota Wild team to perform has been ratcheted up considerably as the season has unfolded. However, this needs to be a learning moment for Bill Guerin, because as much as he has preached a good locker room culture and a good culture for the team that has to that has to circulate and resonate through the entirety of the organization and it cannot suffer due to poor on ice performance and so obviously having to get rid of dean evison seeing where this team is at knowing that the expectation is that this is going to be a playoff team year in and year out. Your overall culture of your organization can't suffer because you're not meeting those expectations because we had an example of kind of the general manager that is okay to good in the actual hockey ops side of things. But was just really, really bad at communicating with people in Paul Fenton. And that lasted less than a year. And this has to be a situation that you learn from and you move on from because, you know, I think this is a good reminder as well that this is a league and sports in general are founded on a principle that just because your footing is solid one season doesn't mean that it's going to be as solid the next. And this wild team under Bill Guerin had a 53-win season and then a 46-win season back-to-back, multiple 100-point seasons. And so you go from as sure footing as there is in those instances to now the, the footing seeming to get a little more loose with Dean Evason being fired with now this happening with Chris O'Hearn and the team agreeing to part ways. And with now this investigation into Bill Guerin. And so you have to make sure that the culture that is being cultivated with not only the team, but also the organization all the way up the ranks. That can't suffer simply because the pressure is ratcheted up. And that that isn't just a a sports. That isn't just a situation that is unique to the sports world. We see this in all works of life, all different professions is you have to, you can't have things like this happening in the workplace. And so it appears for right now that this is the end of this situation. But, I mean, I'm I'm just going to point right back to this being the exact type of thing that got Paul Fenton let go by this franchise. So if you, for Bill Guerin, use this as a teachable moment, a learning moment, nobody's nobody's perfect. Human beings are not perfect in any sense. But you have to use these types of situations as teachable moments and move on from them. Because I, I got to tell you, the vibe in and around this team, this season has not been great. And you hope that it just extends to the on-ice play. But then things like this start to happen, and it extends to the entirety of everything. So that's, that's what we know at this point. Again, I'll revert back to that the investigations have concluded. The NHL is uh, finds the outcomes acceptable, and the the investigation has not found that Bill Guerin did anything to warrant being fired, and move and uh, learn from it. Learn from it is is all all we can do. Now. <laughs> This was all going on yesterday and the Minnesota Wild also had a game, Uh, but they ended up being able to come away with a win. And so we'll talk about some of the things uh, to pull from last night's game against the Calgary Flames as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wilds after this. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by Game Time. The holiday season is here and you are probably looking for that perfect gift, whether it be for your parents sending them to one of their favorite concerts or just looking to go to watch the Timberwolves play with your friends. Game Time is here to make the ticket buying experience as stress free as possible. How many of you have been down this nightmare scenario? Just follow along with me for a second. You buy tickets for a, a sibling to go see the Minnesota Vikings play. And they get there, and the seats aren't great. The, the seats are obstructed. You can't see the game. GameTime offers you views of every seat at the venue, as well as last-minute deals on all the tickets you're trying to score this holiday season. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, we are your team every day. Day. We thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day as well. Uh, we'll have you covered for tomorrow's game against the Vancouver Canucks. Preview of that coming up here in just a bit. But let's talk about that 3 2 shootout win for the Minnesota Wild in last night's game. And in particular, what we saw from the Wild defense, which was encouraging for the most part. Um, obviously, you got to start and end with the Brock Faber 30-minute performance in last night's game. 30 minutes, 8 seconds of ice time. He um, had three blocked shots. He had uh, a hit. He was just all over the ice. And so for John Hines in the era of no Jared Spurgeon, um, at least for last night's game, the reports are that he's going to be a game-time decision for Saturday against Vancouver. But in the non-Jonas Brodine and Jared Spurgeon world, John Hines, ace of spades, is Brock Faber. He played just every every time there was a critical moment in last night's game. And overtime. he was uh, the first defenseman out in three-on-three. He played critical minutes down the stretch. He was on the power play. He was playing everywhere you want, everywhere they needed him. And it seemed like he just continued to say, okay, I'll take more. I'll take more minutes. Put me on the ice. We're, we're going to get through this game and uh, we're going to get a win. And he did. But not only Faber's performance last night, You get 26 minutes from Jake Middleton, who continues to play his best hockey of the season. Um, I know early on in the season, he had struggled pretty tremendously uh, at various points. But uh, as Brett Marshall laid out in his uh, postgame stat dump, that um, Middleton has been on the ice for, I think, five total goals over the last 10 games and four of those We're against the Edmonton Oilers, so he has shut out when he's on the ice. He's shut out opposing teams in eight of his last 10 games. Brock Faber has only played fewer than 20 minutes in a game one time this season. He's played more than 25 minutes seven times, and again, we see in last night's game the youth leading the way. Matt Boldy scoring the first goal of the game, continuing his renaissance here. Over the last eight games, he now has seven goals. He has stepped up and taken the mantle for this team of the go-to guy. Uh, Marco Rossi scoring his 10th goal in last night's game. Second in the league amongst rookies in scoring and points. He continues to take the mantle. And then you have Brock Faber on defense leading the way. And I got to tell you, folks. With everything that we've seen so far this season, the fact that you have the continued performances of Faber, the continued performances of Rossi, and I'll, I'll say this on Marco Rossi because um, and it, it sounded like he was ill for a couple of games, which led to a, a bit of a drop in his production and his performance, but it sounds like that was due to sickness um, and he's still working his way back from that. But it just seems with Marco Rossi that he finds ways to contribute even when he may not jump out at you on the stat sheet because he continues to do the little things. He got right up to the front of the net for his goal last night. He continues to get to that spot regularly, and that is an area where it is really hard to go into a slump. If you can get up to the net and can win battles there, that's a really hard area to go into a slump in. And so super encouraged that we continue to see Rossi on pace for 30 goals this year. And he's gotten to double digits, which is I think far and away what we had expected that he was going to be able to do this year. He's exceeding expectations. He just continues to me- he just continues to answer the bell every time he's called. It seems as this season unfolds. But I think what we are seeing from guys like Boldy and from Marco Rossi, who, by the way, uh, as Brett also notes in his stat dump, Marco Rossi at five on five since November twelfth which is 13 games. He is a 54.4 Corsi 4 percentage, a plus 13 shot differential, an 11 to 3 goal advantage, a 56.9 expected goals, 4 percentage. He's added 10 points across that span and four of his five assists are primary assists during that span uh, as well. And so Rossi just continues to get it done. Kirill Kaprizov, on the other hand, uh, does not. And actually another note before we get to Kaprizov, since November 28th, only Austin Matthews has scored more goals than Matt Boldy, uh, 9-7. to So Boldy continuing to lead the way for this Wild team. As Brett notes, Kirill Kaprizov is still struggling to get to the dirty areas. He's only had two or more high-danger chances in eight of the Wild's 27 games this season. His high-danger Corsi 4 per 60 has dropped from 5.05 last season to 3.74 this season, and his individual expected goals per 60 from 1.37 last year to 1.06 this year. And so some combination of trying to do too much because of not really knowing yet how to play through the injury that he's been dealing with or trying way too hard, I think, are the two things that uh, we're dealing with with Kirill. He looks better on the ice over the, the last handful of games, and so I think it's more to the trying too hard to make plays as opposed to simply making them being the issue because look at his shootout goal last night. He flies up the ice and just tries before he really has an opportunity to kind of assess what, what is going to be available to him. He flies up the ice and shoots within a split second of getting to the front of the net. And so I think at this point, and it's it's entirely up to kind of the eye of the beholder, I think we're seeing Kaprizov at this point go through a similar stretch that Matt Boldy did where he's, he's not getting really any of the lucky bounces with his goals and is just pressing to get back on the score sheet. And if he can get a goal or two just to allow you to exhale and allow you to breathe, I think we may see him hopefully get himself back to at least somewhere close to where he's been over the last couple of seasons, because the lack of even strength goals so far through 28 games is not good, but he's not the only one because I'm I'm going to also gripe about what we saw from Marcus Johansson last night's game. Now, Johansson played 18 minutes, 42 seconds. He did have an assist on the Matt Boldy goal, or actually, no, it was on the Marco Rossi goal. He did have an assist but there was the play in which he's flying up the ice driving to the net and instead of simply trying to push one past Dan Vladar at the last second decides to try to pass across to the other side of the crease and the other player i think it was i think it was Matt Zuccarello but i'm not entirely positive The other player who was crashing didn't have enough room to do anything with it. And so you go from it being behind the defense to not getting a shot off at all. And that you just can't have. And so we we need a lot more than what we're getting from those guys like Marcus Johansson. And... I think the next thing that you have to do is take a look at um, a bump up in the lineup and a bump down. Just to see if that's enough of kind of a wake-up call to, hey, I got to pick it up a little bit here. I got to shoot the puck when I have it. When I have the opportunity to drive up to the net, I got to take a shot instead of the other one from a few games ago where he got into the offensive zone with a path to the goalie to where he could, from the right side, kind of slide across to the left and maybe try to go top shelf with one. But instead, he takes it into the corner and there's no shot at all. Can't have that, people. We we got to start taking those shots if they're there. Yes, you may not end up getting a goal, but I'll tell you what, if you don't shoot, you're not going to get a goal. So. I would rather take my chances with shooting than I would with not. So um, it was a it was a good win for the Wild last night. Philip Gustafson continues to rebound tremendously back to the form that we had expected to see from him. And again, you're led by the youth. Boldy, Rossi, and Faber leading the way in last night's game. So that was super encouraging. A win at home is great, but now you get a tough opponent's who is back on track in the Vancouver Canucks? And so we'll preview the rematch against Vancouver to finish off today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. Today's episode of Locked on Wild is also brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL deals stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use with a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And speaking of tomorrow's game against the Vancouver Canucks, the Minnesota Wilds are currently minus 118 on the money line. Vancouver checks in at minus 102. And uh, again, I like those anytime goal scorers uh, in this one. And uh, so for your Minnesota Wilds, um, there are plenty of options as to uh, who you can go for players that will score. Maybe Kirill Kaprizov gets in on the action here uh, in this one. Uh, It'll be fascinating to see how the game plays out. But regardless, make sure that you are playing on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure to join us after tomorrow night's game for a Locked on Wild postcast. An afternoon delight for uh, you tomorrow as the Wild take on Vancouver. Trying to pick up a win in the rematch. And let's start with the news as we just reported. Um, John Hines saying that Jared Spurgeon will be a game time decision for the Wilds uh, in the game against Vancouver tomorrow. Uh, There will be D changes with Damon Hunt likely slotting into the lineup. And, you know, we, I think we need to give a little credit where credit is due because. Alex Goligosky played well in last night's game. My assumption would be that John Merrill comes out of the lineup. But again, the big issue is that it feels like you have to babysit those guys. I mean, again, running through what we saw in last night's game, you had Faber playing a ton of minutes, 30 minutes himself. Middleton took 26. Then you had Bogosian with 18. And uh, Mermis with 16 after that. That combination you feel okay about. And uh, then the rest of the way, you had Goligoski with 15 and then Merrill with 13. Um, It's not super sustainable, though, to have your top pairing play that many minutes and uh, expect them not to wear down. Faber was exhausted at the end of last night's game because he had been asked to do a ton he stepped up and did all of it, but you gotta get some other pieces in there that can give you a little more than uh, what that third pairing, those bottom combination guys, can do. Now, beyond that, um, I I think for the Wilds, it's pretty simple in tomorrow's game uh, as Vancouver comes into this one with a record of twenty nine and one. They have the uh, second most points in the Pacific Division, trailing just the Vegas Golden Knights with uh, forty-five. Uh, Vancouver sits with forty-one, and Vancouver has won four straight games. They beat the Wilds the last time these two teams met in Vancouver, two nothing. They then beat the Hurricanes four to three. They beat the Lightning four to one, and then they shut out the Florida Panthers by a score of four to nothing with Thatcher Demko getting the shutout in uh, his most recent start, which was against the Panthers. Obviously, from a scoring perspective, Brock Besser leading the world in goals with 22 already in 30 games. JT Miller has 15. Quinn Hughes has 9. And uh, Elias Pettersson with 11, uh, the leaders there. But they're getting a lot of good kind of secondary scoring. Ilya Mikhaev with nine, and uh, Nils Hoaglander with nine himself, Sam Lafferty with eight. They are just scoring a ton of goals, 115 in 30 games. Oh, and they're super dangerous on the power play, too. Besser with nine power play goals already, Miller with seven. This is a very difficult Vancouver team, but what was the thing that was most frustrating about that last matchup is that after that first period in which the wild just throttled Vancouver after that first period, they just weren't able to consistently sustain enough pressure to get looks at Casey DeSmith, Smith. And he ended up getting the shutout because you just couldn't consistently attack enough again until the third period. And by that point, you're having to come back from a multi goal deficit. So for the wild in this game, the key once again is going to be to just try to minimize the radioactivity of your third pairing defensively which means you know big minutes again for those top four guys and with the fact that you're at home you can do this a little more because you get last change and so you have a chance to dictate the matchups but it it was it's a situation where you you know what you have, and it seems like it's it's an issue with Alex Goligoski when he plays multiple games in a row. And so if he is the one that's going to, to slot in, and I would be shocked at this point if he is benched over John Merrill because I, I don't know. Um, so Damon Hunt in can give you now probably five defensemen, depending on if Spurgeon plays. If Spurgeon plays, then you feel pretty good about your six defensemen on the ice. If Damon Hunt comes in, in place of Goligoski, and then Goligoski and Merrill end up sitting, you feel pretty good about the six defensemen that you have. But if one of those guys is in the lineup, then you just have to try to minimize the impact that they can potentially have on the game. So keys to this matchup for the Minnesota wilds is to just keep the attack up. Don't get sucked in like they, the wild did in this most recent matchup against Vancouver. Don't get sucked into the undertow to where then you end up having to play from behind and, um, before you know it, all of a sudden you're chasing a multi-goal deficit. And uh, that is a situation in which it's just not something that is going to be cohesive to winning. So continue to push the attack offensively. Uh, Number two is if we don't see an even spread in that third or that second forward line, It may be a situation with Ryan Hartman playing better over these last few games. It may be a situation where it's time for him to get bumped up. If you're not going to pull Marcus Johansson from the lineup bump Hartman up at least and, and see if that gives you a little more consistent push from that second line because again, again, if if you have players on that grouping that aren't going to take the shots when they have them you got to find somebody else that will and that has been one of the things i think for hartman is you know he is somebody who is not afraid to shoot and if that's the missing piece or if that's one of the pieces that you need for that second line give it a shot see if it uh, see if it works and and see if um if it leads to you being able to put a solid uh, overall line effort together. And number three, Philip Gustafson in that again. And so uh, ride the hot hand with Gustafson, who just continues what has been a, a very, very solid stretch of hockey for him. And uh, as Brett noted in his stat dump from yesterday, take a look at these numbers for Gustafson. Philip Gustafson's goal saved above expected across his last six starts. 1.63, 1.16, 0.64, 0.13, 2.72, and 1.14, totaling 7.42 goals saved above expected or about 1.25 goals saved above expected per game, which is he's he's back on last year's campaign. And so ride the gust bus to uh, hopefully quieting this uh, very tricky Vancouver offense. Um, That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. Again, we'll have a postcast for you after tomorrow's game. Hopefully another Minnesota Wild win. Uh, We'll keep an eye on uh, any of the other news related to the uh, investigations or anything along that line. So make sure that so you don't miss out. You subscribe to Locked on Wild wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on podcast network.